Electronic Specifier. This episode is presented by the Passion for Technology podcast by EBV Electronic. Hello and welcome back to Electronic Specifier Insights. Today we're joined by Iqbal Vedi, Consulting Director at Intelligence Consulting Limited. Hello Iqbal, how are you today? Hi Charlotte. Thank you. I am very well. Thanks for inviting me to the podcast. Oh, it's a pleasure. Shall we start with an introduction of yourself and your background? Yeah, sure. I graduated from Strathclyde Uni a very long time ago. Started work in London as a software engineer, moved into product management, and then kind of did a long stint at a range of telecoms companies, and then gradually moved into consulting where I was involved in some really early stage fibre and research projects, which are still ongoing. And then, you know, continued with the consulting career, advised investors and policymakers and governments, senior ministers, and uh, been advising a lot of uh, telecoms operators on operations, strategy and policy work. Brilliant. Thank you. Would you mind telling us a little bit about your company? Yeah, so I started intelligence consulting in 2017. So I left the uh, the formal kind of consulting sector working for others in 2017. We then started intelligence. Um, it wasn't my first idea, but it grew into something that I wasn't expecting and um, essentially has grown ever since. You know, clients that I had were, were saying that we were adding some really good insights and knowledge. And that some of my competitors couldn't do the kind of work that we were doing, so there was a real niche for us. And we, we, you know, we've been growing ever since. We have a small team of technical, economic, financial, and uh, strategy advisors, and then we advise on all sorts of things in terms of policy, strategy, state aid, procurement, and implementation across you know a wide variety of telecoms matters, including IoT which we'll talk about today, I'm sure, 5G, which I'm sure will pop up as well, fiber, data centers, subsea networks, so pretty much everything. We have clients across the UK, but also in Europe, Africa, and Asia. Sounds like there's plenty there to keep you busy. <laughs> well, there certainly is. I don't think there's ever a dull moment. <laughs> Would you mind explaining how you personally define the Internet of Things and what a smart city means to you? Yeah, so let's start with smart city because i recently chaired a conference with uh, a number of kind of high profile people last year and and i think we evolved the discussion from smart cities to smart places because smart cities does does just kind of lead you to the top 10 15 cities um around the world or in the uk so i think smart places is more relevant because you know rural areas, small towns can also benefit from smart technology. Um, and what it means, you know, it's really around, you know, developing, um, you know, systems, creating data from those systems and using that data to make really smart decisions so that, you know, people like you and I who live, work, invest, travel, um, to these places and our children to get educated in these places can benefit from better connected societies you know and kind of, so that's kind of high level you know specifically around iot or internet of things you know that's a technology it's you know i describe it as an ecosystem of sensors networks and analytics which is a, a data element if you imagine that as almost as a 
you know, from sensors on the left-hand side, networks in the middle, and analytics on the right as a kind of flow diagram. As you move from the left to right, the value that uh, those elements add to organizations and to people increases. So sensors are quite low cost. Networks cost a bit more, but the analytics and the value that generates that's where the data's value add is. So, you know, that's that's the aim, is to get to the right-hand side of that kind of uh, chart, the imaginary chart that hopefully I've painted well enough to your listeners. Um, and quite often you get caught up in terms of IoT means LoRaWAN or a specific technology like Wi-Fi or things like that. I approach this, and the intelligence consulting approaches this very differently. We approach it from the point of view, you know, what's the problem that we're trying to solve? What's the role for IoT? And then you work out what's the right technology fix for that. We work with what the sensors and you know, help clients establish the best, you know, best place technology to help them solve that problem. So it's very much kind of top down based as opposed to bottom up. Here's a technology. How do we find a use for it? Yeah, it's more like the need for it rather than putting a cart before the horse. <laughs> oh, exactly. And I think we get obsessed with in this country with. You know, particularly around government objectives and technology objectives, particularly around 5G, there's a big, and certainly was last year, a big push around 5G. And we're still pushing ahead with Project Gigabit to get full fibre and gigabit technologies in the UK. So there's good reasons for that, but that's you know, not the only way of delivering technology. So many people just get obsessed by those two technologies and we must remember there's other ways and means of of delivering outcomes for for clients yeah perfect what current iot and smart city technologies are you most excited about is there anything you're thinking hang on a minute (laughs) yeah so i think so currently iot in general i would say isn't that exciting you know as a consultant i'm going to ask your listeners to imagine another kind of diagram in their mind if you imagine a a two by two kind of matrix or grid you know along the bottom you have complexity from low to high and along the vertical you have intelligence from low to high so iot is currently in the bottom left hand box which is low intelligence and low complexity so it's not particularly that exciting a technology but i think we will get excited about it well but let me be, before i even get to that it is exciting in terms of you know, some of the clients, particularly in local authorities or utilities that I'm talking to, they are experiencing, you know, productivity savings, reduction in costs, you know, delivery of better services to end users. So that, I think, you know, it's creating a real impact, you know, from a, an outcome-based perspective. I'm, I'm quite excited by what IoT can deliver, and, you know, particularly when you integrate IoT thinking with smart places and connected smart places to, to achieve city outcomes of you know better transport reduced carbon emissions more efficient parking more places for pedestrians you know, i'm not anti-car i love driving my car i love driving it fast when i can but you know driving in cities is, is a complete nightmare it's almost no point but you know i still want to be able to drive into the city center so i think you know where we evolve where, where iot really starts to become exciting is when we overlay artificial intelligence or AI 
onto that because that really unlocks uh, the IoT's potential uh, purely because the amount of data that IoT generates can be quite significant for any person to analyze and interpret that data and do something meaningful with it is, you know, it's quite an arduous task. So AI will play a key role um, with IoT because it makes sense of all that data and put in place meaningful actions or recommend meaningful actions or automate meaningful actions for people, whether they're officers in local authorities or whether they're senior managers in companies, utilities or, or whatever. Okay, thank you for that. Do you think there are any limitations to IoT software that you think will delay the process of smart cities? Yeah, so I think that this kind of follows on from the previous point around the limitations of IoT is it's kind of limited by you know the infancy at the stage or the, the kind of infancy at which AI is at the moment. So you know, I think in terms of IoT software and platforms, there's a lot of you know analytic platforms out there, but the sheer amount of data that that can generate, you know, end users of, of that data get two choices: one, they can ignore it; two, try and do something meaningful with some of the data, or try and do as much as they can, or they absolutely do nothing at all. Uh, you know, so th- th- from those choices, you know, I think you're, you're not really making the best use of IoT and the data you're presented with. So I, I really think, you know, I, I, maybe Matt, I'm answering the previous question, but AI will certainly add a lot of value. And the, the limitation with IoT is it's producing too much data. It's not meaningless, but it's meaningless because we don't really know how to interpret all of that and do meaningful things with it. So we're still at that infancy of understanding how to use IoT and the data it, it produces. So certainly when AI or knowledge-based type solutions um, evolve. We surpass kind of early pilots that are currently being deployed across the UK, across UK places, not just cities. You know, I think that will be the point at which we unlock, you know, IoT as a, as a capable solution to contribute towards smart connected places. Right. Well, of course, with the increasing connectivity in the Internet of Things and Smart City comes many cyber security concerns. Do you have any main security concerns and how do you predict that manufacturers will be able to protect users against device attacks? Yeah, that's a really good question. It's not an area that I'm an absolute expert on, but, you know, I think, you know, what I'm seeing in industry is manufacturers are taking security really seriously and there's you know, applying zero trust approaches to protect sensors, for example. So the three components we I mentioned earlier on, you know, they're protecting sensors to be resistant to, to ha- uh, hacking, to reduce the means of accessing or tampering those sensors. So, you know, f- you know, for example, cameras in people's homes or cameras in the street or sensors in people's homes, you know, it's sort of hardening that and making it resistant to hacking. So that's the first key. I know there's a lot of work going on out there. The next uh, stage in the kind of IoT chain, I guess, is the network connectivity. So front hall, back hall networks and the networks. This this is the area where I kind of really have a background in. And certainly networks have been quite secure, you know, with the introduction of VPN and encryption. And quite often the areas that are attacked are not the networks, it's the um, the devices that people use 
you know, and again, that's going back to the sensors. So I think the, the kind of the connectivity side of things is, is reasonably well protected. And I guess the final stage is to ensure that, you know, the, the data, which is, you know, where I said earlier, is the most valuable part of that kind of equation or that system is also the most vulnerable because it's the most valuable and it sits on, it could sit on people's PCs or systems and cloud platforms. So it's, it's making sure these these platforms and systems are, you know, got multi-factor authentication to ensure only authorized personnel have access to them or to that data. And again, just applying that entire zero trust process so that, you know, only trusted people have access to that kind of data. But I think, you know, I've done some work with ITU, the International Telecommunications Union, in the past, and I know this is an area of concern and in areas where standards are evolving, but that's that's all I can say about that at the moment. So I'm I'm quite confident that we'll get there. You know, I, I guess you know just as a small add-on, the slight difference with IoT versus you know consumer devices at home. You know, most most of us have IoT devices. You know, like Alexa. I don't have one anymore. I, I closed it down because I was concerned about its security. But you know, with IoT, we'll end up with tens or hundreds of of these kinds of devices at home. So the more we have the more infiltration points we have. So it is, you know, it just multiplies by, a, you know, a factor of 10 or 100, the likelihood of being hacked. So it's, it's an extremely serious area. Yes, it is that indeed. This is a bit of a curveball question. What sort of job opportunities do you think will be made available due to the rise of smart cities? And what occupations do you think will become obsolete? It's a really good question. And I don't have a complete answer because I, I think that kind of that kind of question is there's a bit of crystal ball gazing. But I think you know what we can do is look back at how new technology iterations have you know had an impact on jobs in the past. You know I think it's inevitable um, where IoT and smart place type solutions are deployed initially to reduce costs or to improve productivity there may be some job rationalization at the same time you know speaking to some clients today they're sending teams around to to monitor you know street lights for example or they're sending teams out to social housing uh, to look at dampness these these kinds of tasks which are low complexity don't require much intelligence um, can be done by sensors and i think probably should do particularly in you know, austerity we haven't really mentioned that much these days um, but it's still you know still a thing with local authorities so they're they're quite tasked with uh, reducing costs so on one hand you could argue well that might reduce people's jobs that will result in job losses or you could think well what it does is it allows those people those officers freeze up their time to do something a bit more meaningful with the data so i don't think you know, like we've had with previous technology iterations in the past, you know, with the introduction of automation and farming or replacing horses with cars, one of these are kind of well-used kind of examples. You know, it will create new industries, uh, particularly in data analytics, you know, cybersecurity, completely different skills. But I think also it will free up people to, to do more meaningful things in a workplace and just drive up productivity. So I'm, I'm actually not too concerned i'm not saying there's there's 
there's no concern. I think we need to manage this migration from today to, you know, the industry 4.0 kind of smart places and everything connected nirvana. But I'm, I'm quite confident that the, the jobs will still be there. They're just, they're just going to look a bit different. Yeah, indeed. What do you predict that the average person with an average understanding and knowledge of technology would think about living in a smart city. Do you think that they'd welcome the increased urban connectivity and data processing? Or do you think they'd be concerned by such a level of change? Yeah. So, you know, again, a really complex question. So I'm going to try and unpack that a little bit. And I think most people probably haven't really grasped what a smart place, a smart city is in fact I watched a really interesting documentary on YouTube uh, last night around the future of city design and you know one of the things that I think you know smart you know for argument's sake smart cities can learn from the introduction of technology is how we can use places better so this documentary spoke about how we've kind of designed urban architecture around cars so you know 90% of street space is allocated by cars but 90% of traffic is human traffic the humans walk on pavements which are 10% of the space is that kind of argument so we need to be building cities towns and villages that are more people friendly like I said at the beginning that you know I'm, I'm car friendly I love driving my car but it's making you know, the car journey easier probably, you know, through electric vehicles to so reduce emissions. But it's it's just creating, you know, using the data, use understanding how people want to use cities in the future, I think is really important. I don't think any city has really grasped that at all yet. This is, you know, 10, 15, 20, maybe even 50 years away. I know they've done some experiments in Times Square, but these are temporary, you know, to kind of pedestrianize more. You know, I think one of the things that I see is we pedestrianise areas, but you do forget about the traffic. It seems very anti-traffic or anti-car. So we need to find that happy medium. That we're not just narrowing the streets and creating more traffic, creating more pollution. There's this no win, win situation in that kind of scenario. So I think you know what I see is data driving that kind of thinking in urban planners and local authorities and and, and big architects firms hopefully coming around to kind of design smarter, people-friendly, car-friendly and building-friendly places where we all kind of work together for each other and, um, yeah, we all live happily ever, ever after. That'd be the goal, wouldn't it? <laughs> Do you have any predictions for the future of both Internet of Things and smart cities? Yeah, I mean, I think what, one of the things that we're starting to see is, you know, just on that kind of, case of you know um cities and designing future cities so you know one of the things that we're seeing at the moment is the creation of digital twins um, and i think that's a really important part of the whole you know understanding how we design future cities and places so i like to see a lot more use of you know the creation of digital twins i'm not necessarily talking about the metaverse uh, like an alternative online I've got to admit I'm not really on board with that virtual world yet 
whether that's right or wrong, I don't know. But you know, I think we should use it. We, we ought to live in a real world. <laughs> that's that's the future. So I, you know, I expect to see you know a lot more use of technology to design real places, and the two you know kind of the digital twin. Perhaps the metaverse, you know, is a spin-off from the digital twin to inform how we shape and build real societies and towns and, and villages in the future. But yeah, I'd like to see, I think IoT will become, you know, to answer your question, the future of IoT and smart places, you know, it's, I'm seeing a lot more knowledge within my client base as to the benefits of IoT, you know, intelligence consulting, we are, you know, we've written extensively around the benefits of smart places, you know, the business case and that message is getting through to decision makers and policy makers. So we're at the start of that journey, but, you know, I think in the future we'll close that loop and we'll start to see a lot more adoption of those kinds of, you know, smart place thinking and, you know, making uh, tourism, you know, more um, adaptable, you know, creating pop-up type events based on kind of human traffic and, you know, you go to rural car parks, you know, you're facing a full car park, you get signs to say, well, this car park is full, etc. So, yeah, I mean, I see a lot more intelligent, capable and um, evolved place to live, thanks to IoT and smart, smart places. Thank you for that. Is there anything else you'd like to discuss today? No, I think this has, it's been a really kind of um, thought-provoking um set of questions. So I appreciate the questions and the time and effort you've put into into building that. And I guess, um, you know, there, well, I, you know, there's maybe a whole lot of topics we can go into in more detail some other time, but um, I think that's a nice, nice place to end it on. But uh, no, thank you for, for having me. Appreciate that. Well, Iqbal, thank you for your time and indeed your expertise today. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you. Thank you very much. This episode was presented by the Passion for Technology podcast. Subscribe now and dive deep into the world of semiconductors. Electronic specifier.